Good morning, Crosswalk. How are we doing this morning? You're still out there. I think so. We uh, do want to welcome this morning a special group from Walla Walla University. So Walla Walla students, welcome. Uh, we're glad to hear volleyball team. Um, and good luck on the game tonight. Be thinking about you guys. You have a lot of uh, Wolf alumni in the room. Um, and so we're glad that you are here um, all the way from the place so nice they named it twice. Good job, everybody. We're on it. Uh, excited welcome also to fall, apparently. I think it was our first freeze. So woo If you love fall, we're in it. Uh, we want to start off today uh, by just acknowledging we had our baptistry set up for a baptism last night of Taryn Spear. Uh, Taryn got baptized here. It was just a special time with family, her husband and kids, uh, and she is also pregnant. So uh, I figured it was really two for the price of one. Right? I don't know, it depends on your theology how you want to work that out, but the baby was definitely submerged the whole time. Um, so anyway, excited for Taryn and celebrating uh, with her and her decision last night. If anybody else wants to, we're ready to go. It's, it's a little cold, but we'll do it. Um, anyway, we also want to just thank you for coming uh, out today to church. We know it is a choice uh, for you, maybe not the Walla Walla students, maybe you guys, it was like... This, this was the only choice, but um, we, are, uh, we always want to recognize the fact that we know you had to get up this morning, uh, you had to get dressed, thank you, by the way, for those of you making that choice, uh, and then just to come in and spend some time with us, we're always appreciative of that. We hope that on your way in and out, you get a smile, you get maybe a hug, you get a coffee and a donut, um, and hopefully a great worship experience where you can catch a glimpse of Jesus while you're here with us. So um, we also want to thank you because many of you are investing in this church in amazing ways, and we never want to take that for granted. Where we are as a church right now um, and doing our ministries and leasing this building and getting together on Saturdays and getting into the community, it costs us a little over $20,000 a month to run a ministry, which seems like a lot, and yet your generosity is allowing us to answer God's call for what we feel called to do for such a time as this. There's more to come, more things that we'll talk about in the coming weeks uh, where we feel God calling us to next. Um, but it also takes us about 45 volunteers every Saturday to bring this together. We're in a building where we've got to set up and we've got to tear down when we're done. Um, and then just being able to receive everybody. And you've also volunteered and helped out in amazing ways. So we just thank you for serving your church. Uh, we are a church that is, for our university students, we're two years old. Um, God has done amazing things in and through us already. And we're getting ready to enter into uh, a holiday season, not Halloween specifically, thinking about the ones that come after Halloween. And I'm going to be honest and tell you that yesterday I listened to my first holiday album. Anyone else? Holiday music already? No? All right. Some of you hate me because I said that. That's okay. Uh, no, it was Elevation Worship. It's a holiday album that just came out. I actually said to Pastor Lydia that I listened to uh, a new holiday CD, <laughs> and then she made fun of me because apparently that's something that old people say. Uh, so whatever, holiday cassette deck, holiday eight track, 
holiday vinyl, whatever it was, I listened to it. Um, it was digital, it was on Spotify, I get it. But uh, anyway, got me in the mood, so I'm excited, I'm ready. It's a time of gift giving, and so think and pray about how God is calling you to continue to invest in your church community, whether that's finances, whether that's getting involved, whether that's inviting someone to come to church that you know is in need of a community of love, a community of grace, a community of belonging, uh, which is what we're gonna talk about today. Um, And when you think about that, we know that those things can make you uncomfortable. That in fact, church can be an uncomfortable thing for loads of reasons. But if we're honest, there are all sorts of things that make us uncomfortable in this world. Um, And uh, it's not just church. So I'll give you uh, a list of some of the things that make me uncomfortable. You can decide if any of those things make you uncomfortable as well. So the first thing that came to mind was if you've ever been to Walmart early in the morning, that is often an experience that has made me uncomfortable when people have certain outfit choices at that time of day that are not good choices. So that's something that's made me uncomfortable. In fact, one time I was at Walmart at like five in the morning, my wife and I were both sick and I was getting us medicine and they have these huddles early in the morning where they get together and they chant like, who's going to sell the most? We are. Who's going to smile the most? We are. And I just got out of there fast because I didn't know what was going to happen next. So anyway, Walmart early in the morning. Here's another one. Men in Speedos. Just makes me uncomfortable. Just, just keep those to yourself. Uh, that's all I'm going to say there. Um, the next one, uh, not knowing the name of someone who knows your name. Uh, that happens a lot when you speak up front and things, and I, but I hate it. I wish I memorized everybody's names really well. Um, the next one is going to be a little controversial, and I understand that, but it's how I feel. Uh, Taylor Swift fans, they make me uncomfortable. I know, I know. She just came out with an album this week. There was a sound thing at the Atlas. It was so much fun. Um, but here's the thing. Like, if you're going to pay $450 on average to go to a concert, that just makes me uncomfortable, all right? There's something not right about that. There's so many things you can do with $450. So Taylor Swift fans, I apologize if you're in that camp. Um, and then, of course, the last one are vegans. Used to really make me uncomfortable. I grew up very meat and potatoes. I was raised by a pack of wild nurses from the South. And so, you know, the vegan thing I just didn't understand. But now I have grown, I have matured. And thanks to my wife, I now make a cashew cheese that is to die for. So there's that. Um, But all sorts of things can make us uncomfortable. But I would have to say that church is probably at the top of a lot of people's lists, especially if you don't have a background in church. And as a gift to you, I'm not going to play it now. I desperately wanted to play it now, but it's too long. Um, after, after worship today, go and check out Mr. Bean and Church. Okay. This is one of my favorite clips. It's about seven minutes long, but it is worth every second. The things that a person can do without saying a word. Okay. But it's how he, uh, how he makes it through a church service, and it's fantastic. Um, here at Crosswalk, we try to minimize the discomfort by being a very relaxed environment. Come as you are. We're going to be chill here. Um, but we do make some claims that can cause deep discomfort. Um, if we mean it. On one hand, we have our mission and vision statement, which is one word, which is simply to love well. We believe that 
of the call of Jesus is that all people will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. That love is supposed to be the mark of every Christian. But if we're going to love like Jesus loved, that means we're going to love people that are like us and people that are not like us, people that agree with us and people that don't agree with us. We're going to love well, and that's not going to be comfortable at times. And as part of a loving community, we also value and seek to be a community of belonging. Again, that's an easy thing to say, but it can be incredibly uncomfortable if we're serious. Because if we're serious, we're going to seek to tear down walls that divide us. We're going to chase after common ground when it seems impossible. And we're going to look to uh, go look past the world's labels and to see what is in a person's heart. All of this can make you incredibly uncomfortable. And it's uncomfortable because the current climate in our world is to simply draw lines in the sand and separate us from them, whoever us and them are. And we do this socially and politically and ideologically and theologically and economically. We draw lines in the sand all the times. There are even certain words that just by mentioning the words, our our blood starts to boil. We get upset. We shut down. Some of those words are things like being woke, black lives matter, blue lives matter, all lives matter. January 6th, gun control, abortion, election fraud, Trump, Biden, Israel, Palestine, Hamas, inflation, green initiatives, trans rights. All of these words, just again, hearing a word can set you off. At Crosswalk, if we're going to be a community of belonging, then you don't have to act like us, dress like us, or even believe like us to belong. You belong here the moment you pull into the parking lot. You belong here. You walk in these doors. We are so excited that you are here. But we know a real community of belonging isn't easy. It can be incredibly messy, and it's definitely going to be uncomfortable. But here's the trick. Being uncomfortable is a sign that you're growing. Being uncomfortable is where God wants you to be because a healthy body grows. Now, I've shared this before, but when I started my freshman year in high school, I was 5'6", and by my sophomore year, a year later, I was 6'4". So I did six inches in six months. It was a painful time. You'd wake up in the middle of the night with leg cramps. Your body just felt uncomfortable all the time. I could go to Taco Bell and eat like nine items, and it was just not even, didn't phase me. I could sleep for 12 hours at a time. Sometimes, in some ways, it was the best of times. It was, it, was, it was nice. But I did all of that in this amount of time, and it was uncomfortable. My body and my brain weren't catching up with each other, so I was hitting my head on all sorts of stuff. I was out of sync. And that's because growth is uncomfortable, but that's exactly where Jesus leads us to places of discomfort and hopes that we can grow in his image and love others like he loves us. But sadly, the perception of Christianity, at least in North America, is that many of us are not growing in love, nor do we really want to. The overwhelming perception of Christianity is that we are closed-minded, anti-gay, judgmental, hypocritical, irrelevant, and too political. Nine out of ten people will say these things about Christianity. Those that are not Christians will say this about Christianity. That's their perception, and their perception is reality. And studies tell us that Christianity is on the decline in North America at such a rate that by the year 2070, Christianity will no longer be a majority religion in the U.S. And this is displayed by the fact, in part, that every day, 12 churches in North America close their doors permanently. 
12 churches a day, which is about 4,500 churches a year. I've known some of these churches. And from what I could tell, they stopped caring about anyone other than themselves. They became insular, only worried about what they believed, what their version of truth was, and protecting themselves from the evil of the world around them. The crazy thing is that Jesus they profess to follow is the one that actually came down to this earth to get rid of that kind of language, right? Not long ago, I was talking to a former student of mine who had been in pastoral ministry for about seven or eight years and then left pastoral ministry to become a hospice chaplain, which I think is an incredibly high calling uh, because if you think about it, what do they deal with every day? Death and grief. And so an incredible calling, but I had a conversation with him not long ago, actually up at Walla Walla. I was talking to him and, and I said, I want to know, you know, like one, what drove you to walk away from church pastoring and do a hospice uh, chaplain role? And then what's the biggest difference? So the first thing that he said about one of the reasons why he walked away was that he said, no one taught me how to pastor people who hate each other. No one taught me how to pastor people who hate each other. And that broke my heart. The Apostle Paul said, if we have not love, we are simply a noisy gong or a clinging cymbal. There are a lot of noisy gongs and clinging cymbals out there professing to be followers of Jesus. In fact, he said, if we have not love, we are nothing, which is strong language because love is so important to the way of Jesus. The other thing that he told me, the biggest difference in his experience between church pastoring and hospice chaplaining was this. He said, at least the people I'm serving now know that they're dying. That, of course, was a reference to the churches that he had pastored. So what do we do today? How do we stay on mission, committed to loving well despite our differences, loving each other even when we disagree, and embracing the uncomfortable by opening ourselves up to the people around us? How can we truly be a community of belonging in a world of tension, divide, violence, and strife, a world where everyone is choosing sides? In what is probably Jesus' most well-known and longest-recorded teaching, he has these words to say. He says, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemy, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you, only, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. So that pericope begins with the words, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Now what's interesting about that is that love your neighbor is in the Hebrew Bible in the Old Testament, but hate your enemy is not. There are some Psalms that reference the idea of hating the, those who hate God, um, but that's not a command of God. Hate is a human response. We can easily feel justified in hating certain people who are against us, who, who are radically different than us. In fact, it seems a part of our fallen nature to draw lines in the sand determining who is in and who is out. Incidentally, That's the only reason in a faith denomination you would try to drill down further on said doctrine and belief. 
The more you drill down, when you tell people there's only one way to believe something, and if you don't believe it exactly the way I believe it, then you're not one of us. The only reason to do that is to be able to more clearly tell who is in and who is out. And I don't think that's very Christ-like. So, the crazy thing is about all of this is that Jesus sent came into this world to remove the us and them language. As the Apostle Paul said, for you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. But Jesus recognized that it's easier for us to love those who love us. It's more comfortable to love those who love us. To that sentiment, however, Jesus said, if you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? What growth is there for that? How will you change? How will you become a better version of yourself if you only love those who love you? Now, I I say this often here. It's always fascinating to me when people talk to us and say, oh, you're that church that loves. You're that lovey church. And I certainly hope so. Um, But I also remind them that you've got to understand that we're called to love like Jesus, and the way that Jesus loved actually is what got him killed. Jesus ate in homes of hated tax collectors and known prostitutes, notorious sinners. He spent time talking with the religious outcasts and the religious elite. He crossed hated ethnic boundaries in order to connect with the Samaritan woman. He crossed a raging sea in order to save a Gentile from demons. Jesus loved with wild abandoned. He loved uncomfortably. His actions even regularly made the disciples uncomfortable, but that's where he needed them to be so they could grow and love others like Jesus loved them. But we have to take a moment to address that last line in the passage because it says, you are to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And many have gotten caught up with this line over the years. Is it talking about uh, uh, morality, right behavior, Actually, in the context, it's talking about how we love other people. The Greek word here used for perfect actually means to mature to the place that you were meant to be in the first place, to grow to become the people that God designed you to be in the first place. We were designed to love others, and so we are to grow in the ability to love others. That's how we were designed, even if it makes us uncomfortable. So how do we love like Jesus? a few reflections on this. First, we have to be willing to lean in to discomfort. It's natural for us to want to pull away from discomfort, right? You sit in a chair that's got a broken arm or something sticking out of the back, you get up and find a different chair. You walk with a rock in your shoe, you stop, you take out the rock. We avoid discomfort, but if we lean in to discomfort with one another, we can grow. If we lean in, we can learn something about someone else that we would never have known before had we not leaned in. We may even learn something about God that we didn't know before if we're willing to lean in. Now, not long ago, one of my friends here at Crosswalk uh, was telling me about a regular prayer they have for this place. They pray for the empty seats that God would fill them with people that need community, that need a higher power to connect with, to help them get out of their fear. They need people. Um, And so they pray for the empty seats. And one day they were here and they were singing and enjoying worship and they looked over and they realized 
that someone was filling one of those empty seats. It was an answer to prayer, but that someone was someone who had caused them much discomfort in the past, someone that had annoyed them, someone that kind of got in the way of them living their life the way they wanted to. But this someone didn't have community, didn't have people, and God answered their prayer for the empty seat by helping my friend grow a little in discomfort. God will do that at times. Of course, it's easier to lean in discomfort when you are surrounded by other people trying to do the same thing, right? If we lean into our calling here, we will for sure have people that make us uncomfortable, but that's our godly call as children of God, to love like he loves, so lean in. Next, we have to lean into listening and practice humility, right? This is so important. The apostle James wrote this. He said, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We listen to each other so much less than we used to. The pandemic didn't help. Social media doesn't help. Texting doesn't help. Um, everyone seems to be screaming and no one is listening, right? But we must be willing to listen to each other's stories, to not jump to conclusions, to ask questions. You may still disagree with one another at the end of the day, but there's an important lesson to be learned you don't have to agree with one another to listen to one another, to learn from one another, or to love one another. You don't have to agree, but you have to listen and learn and love. That's our calling. So we have to lean into listening and practice humility. Not long ago, we had someone come to Crosswalk who by all appearances, literally and figuratively, would have been easy for people to label and maybe even write off to avoid or to judge. But if you knew their story, if you took a moment and listened first, I think you'd be hard pressed not to be heartbroken. The abuse, the loneliness, the fear and abandonment this person has faced over the course of their lives is heartbreaking. The very fact that they even showed up for church is mind blowing. And you know what happened when they showed up? I was so proud of my church because every single person saw this person, loved on this person, listened to this person, made eye contact with this person, respected them, learned their story, and were just excited that they were here. And friends, that's what church is supposed to be. That's what this place is all about, a community of belonging that seeks to love well. So listen to each other. And as you do, practice humility. As the Apostle Paul said, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Humility is simply giving other people the benefit of the doubt and then seeing how your relationship and your love can grow together as you learn more about each other. Next, it's important that we learn to lean in to healthy boundaries. Now, this is important. We want to love and we want to love well, but there are some people that for us are not safe. I highly recommend Brene Brown's book, Braving the Wilderness, where she talks about what true belonging is how to give it, how to receive it. And in the book, she talks about the importance of healthy boundaries. Um, and she says that in her research, she found two types of people to protect against. One is people who are physically unsafe for you, 
And two are people who are emotionally unsafe for you. Physically unsafe for you is a little easier to quantify. Um, emotionally unsafe has a little more nuance to it. So she gives a guideline for healthy boundaries that she uses the acronym BRAVING. Um, and these are things for you to set and establish and practice for yourself and towards other people. So for Brown, she starts off by saying boundaries. We have to establish boundaries, communicate boundaries, and when you're not clear about what's okay and what's not okay, you ask. The next is reliability. To follow through, do what you say you're going to do, know what your limits are and what you can do and what you can't do, and just be honest with yourself about that. The next one is accountability. Own your mistakes, apologize, make amends. And then, very important, vault, right? To honor confidentiality. To respect the fact that there are certain things someone's going to share with you that are not things to share with everybody else. So practice confidentiality. This is something we do in our connect groups on a regular basis. We always say what is shared in the connect group stays in the connect group. And then, integrity. Choose courage over comfort. Choose what is right over what is fun, fast, or easy, and choose to practice values rather than simply professing them. We can't just say we're a community of belonging. We actually have to practice it. And then, non-judgment. Create space where it's safe to ask for what you need and another to ask for what they need without judgment. And lastly, which we spoke to, generosity. Give self and others the benefit of the doubt. So lean in to discomfort, lean in to listening and humility, lean in to healthy boundaries, and learn to lean in to common good. We all have our beliefs and opinions, but I'm guessing if we dig deep enough, listen long enough, we also have common ground somewhere inside all of us. Now you might remember back to this story in January of this past year, when the Cincinnati Bengals were playing the Buffalo Bills in the, uh, to go on to the AFC Championship game. I, am, I do remember it well because I am a Cincinnati Bengals fan, something I only uh, confessed to three years ago for some reason. Um, but I've been one my whole life. Uh, it's just been really hard. So watching this game, a lot is on the line for this uh, game. The fans show up. They are ready to go to war. And then just a few minutes into the game, the Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin, number three, takes a tackle to the chest and to the head and collapses onto the field. And of course, in moments, the ambulance had come out. They were performing CPR on him for 20 minutes in a desperate attempt to save his life. For those who don't know, they did save his life. Um, but it was a scary moment, and a stadium full of fans suddenly got silent, many of them praying thinking good thoughts towards Damar and his family. And then there were rivals that would actually got together and prayed together for Damar Hamlin. Because for a moment, it wasn't about a football game. It was about a life of a human being, and that was something we can all rally around. No matter our differences, we can all rally around the life of another. We can rally around helping someone lonely find connection. We can rally around someone afraid finding a higher power to cling to. We can rally around serving our community so that all people everywhere will know that we are his disciples by how we love one another. I believe we can rally around the good of every human being and love well. I get that this isn't easy. 
Seeking to love others, getting to know others, and allowing yourself to be known is tough. It is scary. It takes risk because you have to be vulnerable. But it is what we were designed for, what we're here on this earth for. And I am hoping that today, each one of you here, whatever this means for you, that you will take a step into discomfort in order to create a community of belonging. Now, maybe that means crossing the room to greet someone after worship. Maybe it means reaching out to someone at work, someone in class, someone in your neighborhood that you haven't talked to maybe ever, or you haven't talked to in a long while. Maybe there's someone in your phone that God's bringing to mind right now that is someone who needs you to reach out, who needs you to extend a hand, to give a hug, to take them out for coffee, to listen to their story. Whatever it is, I pray that you would find the courage to reach out, even if it's uncomfortable. And to help you, I want to share an idea and a prayer. In his book, Blue Like Jazz, Donald Miller speaks about his struggle with Christianity that too often felt fake to him. People seem to only love others in order to change that person. Miller goes on to say that he started to practice love the way he saw Jesus love, freely and extravagantly, without agenda. So Miller started to love this way, and it not only changed him into a better version of himself, it changed the people around him, at least how he saw them. He said that with God's help, he began to live under the motto, I love you enough to stand with you as God works in you. I love that line. And, and knowing it's hard, here's another one of my favorite quotes in this. This is from Pastor Francis Chan in his book, Crazy Love. He writes, the fact is, I need God to help me love God. And if I need his help to love him, a perfect being, I definitely need his help to love other fault-filled humans. Something mysterious, even supernatural, must happen in order for genuine love for God to grow in our hearts. The Holy Spirit has to move in to our lives. So let me leave you today with a prayer that has guided me through. In fact, this has been a prayer that I have prayed since the day I accepted the call to come and help plant this church called Crosswalk Portland. It's a prayer from the book of Ephesians chapter three, and it's on a card that's somewhere near you. If it's not on your chair, then there are cards on the uh, table on the way out. But it's a prayer that Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, but he also prayed this prayer that was shared throughout the Middle East. And the prayer is simply him falling to his knees and praying that God would strengthen us in our inner being, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, and that we would be rooted and established in love and have power together with all the saints to be able to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of God, that we would know this love that surpasses our natural ability to know that we may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. So you want to know how to love others, how to lean into discomfort, how to do all of these things. You do it empowered by the Holy Spirit with the Holy Spirit's help to help you love like Jesus. So, so take a card, put it up in a place you're going to see it on a regular basis, whether it's in your bathroom or it's in your Bible as a bookmark or somewhere where you'll see it and pray this prayer and let God go to work in your life so that you can lean into discomfort. You can love well and help create a community of belonging. Would you pray with me? 
Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, the God of love, not only the author of love, but the God who is love. Lord, you have called us to love others like you love us. And that is hard because there are people that are hard to love. But it is our call, not just as a church and community, is it our call as your children to love other people in the way that you love us. And so we need your help to do that. So my prayer for all of us here today, Father, is that you would strengthen us in our inner being, deep, deep down inside of us, into our core, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we would be rooted and established in your love, and that we would have the power together with all the saints to grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is your love, and that we would know this love that surpasses knowing that we may be filled to the measure of the fullness of you. And now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.